Well, hey, good morning, everybody. I uh, hope you guys had a great uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, today we are in our second week of a series we started last week. Uh, it's called Swing, and here's what we're doing. We're going to be looking at a few of the people that are mentioned in Hebrews uh, 11. If you're not familiar, Hebrews 11 is often called uh, the Hall of, not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. And so we're going to look at some people that are recorded there, uh, not because they had great communication abilities, not because they were incredibly wise, not because they had amazing plans, uh, none of that. These people are recorded here simply because they were people of great faith. And they saw God do amazing things because of their faith. And so I got two things I want to accomplish uh, with this series, okay? And so I'm just going to, I'm giving you all the cards. I'm trying to be up front. This is what I want for this series. Uh, the first thing is I want you to take that next step of faith. Uh, what is your next step? Uh, because life is a lot like skiing, all right? When you go skiing, all right, you go up the lift and then you go down, right? You don't really just stay where you're at when you're on the slopes, right? And if you are standing still, it takes a lot of hard work. It's a lot easier to go up and sit in the lift if that's a lot easier to go down and let gravity help you. You're either trending up or you're trending down. And the same is true when it comes to your faith. Your faith is either trending up or it's trending down. And if you aren't taking those next steps for you, they might look different for everybody, your faith isn't moving forward. So the first thing I wanted to uh, encourage and challenge you to do is to take that next step, whatever that is for you. And it looks different for everybody. Some, some people, it could be uh, getting baptized. We got baptism Sunday here in two weeks, all right? We can clap for that. That's gonna, yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, it's gonna be like really uh, the splash zone over here. So if you don't wanna get wet, sit over there. But this over here is gonna be the fun side. Uh, so hey, take that next step, uh, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, and that's different for everybody. The second thing, I want you to dream of ways uh, to swing for the fences with your faith. To not be afraid of, of failing, uh, but that we'd actually be more worried about not taking those steps. To not go for it. So we're all going to have moments where we're going to strike out. Like that's just a part of life. You are going to fail. I am going to fail. That's a part of life. Uh, don't fail. Don't strike out just looking. Just being still. Strike out swinging. Go for the fences. You're not going to get there if you don't swing. All right, so I got two goals for this series, uh, to take that next step of faith, for everybody to take that, and to, uh, for some of you guys, to swing for the fences with your faith. Maybe you've been taking those next steps, and it's time for you to take that big leap. Uh, and so uh, before we get into uh, the, the verses for today, a little uh, disclaimer. Uh, we're looking at people in the hall of faith. Uh, do not be discouraged by some of the stories that we are going to see throughout this series. Um, now, we're human, and I think sometimes that means when we see the success of others, uh, we tend to think, that could never be me. I couldn't do that. God couldn't use me in that way. And so instead of it spurring us on to take next steps or to swing for the fences, uh, we feel like God can't use me like he used them. And I want to take a step back and remember, it's not the person's ability that God used. He didn't use that person's ability. Uh, God moved through them because of their faith. It's about faith. Uh, Matthew uh, 17, 20 says it this way. All right? Yellow words with me. You got this. This is Jesus talking. He says, you don't have enough. We're going to try one more time. All right? You don't have enough. There we go. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. 
nothing would be impossible. Not because we have great abilities, but because of our faith. And that mustard seed faith is enough. Uh, Seeds aren't all that big. And mustard seeds, they're no exception. They're actually really small. And I believe Jesus used this mustard seed faith. He uses this because when we see something small, we feel like, I can do that. Like it seems like it is attainable, that we won't be overwhelmed. I feel like we couldn't get there. It doesn't take a big or bold faith for God to do great things. Just a mustard seed faith. And the reason it only takes a little bit, the reason that it's just that mustard seed faith is because we talked about this last week, the object of your faith has power. It's not the faith that has the power itself. Let me, let me give you an example. We did this last week. I'm going to do it again. Hey, if this was a frozen lake right out here in front of me, and the first six inches are frozen, and I slowly walk out, like there are six inches of ice right there, and I slowly walk out, and I'm like just gingerly, <laughs> put one foot on it, then I put another foot on it. It doesn't matter if my faith is big or if my faith is small. If I'm shaken, if I'm nervous, that six inches of ice is going to hold me, right? It's not my faith that's keeping me up. It's the object of my faith. That ice will hold. It ain't going anywhere. I'm not going to move it. It's not holding me up because uh, I have that faith. It's because that's what it does. If I just have the faith to take the step, it's going to hold me. On the flip side, if I go onto that lake, this time it's only got a half inch of ice on it. And I am completely confident. I'm full of faith. That is going to hold me. And half inch of ice, uh, I can have absolute faith. It ain't going to keep me dry. (laughs) I'm going into the water. Uh, Because although my faith might have been great, the object of my faith was weak. All it takes is the faith of a mustard seed. And that kind of faith is enough when it's placed in God. When Jesus is the object of our faith, that mustard seed faith is enough. Because anything less than Jesus is a weak refuge. Hey, you guys, good job. You guys are tracking with me. So uh, when you take those steps of faith, it doesn't matter if you're shaken or you're nervous. Because when Jesus is the object, object of your faith. Your faith is in him. He will not fail you. It might not work the way you want, the timeline you want, any of that stuff. It might not go your way, but he's going to come through in a way that you didn't expect it. I don't know the timeline. I don't know any of that, but he will not fail. And, uh, and it seems like, why are we starting here? Because, and I, want, I wanted to start here for a reason. I want you to know you have enough. You, you have everything that you need. We're going to read about these heroes of their faith, and we're going to focus on their faith. Uh, and it, feels so, it can feel so big that it makes us feel like inadequate, like I don't, I don't have that. Don't miss the fact that their faith and your faith is in the same thing. It, our, the object of our faith is the same. It is Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need to swing for the fences. You have everything you need to see God do big things through you. And it all starts with one step. It has to start with that first step. And so today, the character we're going to look at is Abraham. And so we're going to look at what the writers of 
the writer of Hebrews says about Abraham, and then we're going to look back uh, at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis and see some of his story there in a little bit more detail. Uh, but before we do that, let's, let's pray. Uh, God, give us, uh, give us clear, clear minds. Uh, give us open hearts. Let your word uh, renew and refresh our souls. Give us wisdom and discernment uh, for the next steps that you are calling us to. Give us the zeal to grow in faith and to be more like Jesus. And we ask all these things in his name, amen. Hebrews 11, verse 8, we're going to see, this is the part where it talks about Abraham a little bit here. It was by that Abraham obeyed when, he, when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give to him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. I'm going to say that again because I like pause at a weird spot and that messed me up, okay? We're going to start from the top. It was by that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. God called Abraham to leave home, like you're going to leave home, and Abraham, he obeyed. He said, all right, I'm out. Where are we going? He doesn't even know. Um, uh, this, this weekend, uh, this week, we worked on a little tree house out at uh, my parents' house. It's for, the, for all the grandkids. Uh, and so um, all of us got to go to Lowe's, which was an experience, right? Uh, me and my brother and then all of the kids. Uh, it's an adventure all on its own. Uh, but there's a few times, uh, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to rat out uh, my own children, uh, but there's a few times where we say, we need blank. And some of these young ones, they take off like, I know where that's at. And like, they're trying to lead the group, even though they have absolutely no idea what a two by six is or where it's at in Lowe's, uh, they just start walking like, I'm going to lead this party to victory. Great confidence, but not, <laughs> they have no idea uh, what they're doing. Uh, to quote Hebrews, they went without knowing where they were going. <laughs> uh, that's what it was like. And in a kid, it seems so innocent and a bit naive to, to go without knowing where you're going. But when God told Abraham to go, uh, Abraham said, yes, Lord. He didn't say where to. God told him to go. He said, let's go. I'm all in. Let's look at verse 9 here. Even when he reached the land, God promised, he lived there by, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. All right, so let's, let's recap this. Let's stay with it. Uh, my son, this is God, he's talking to Abraham. My son, go where I am sending you. I will give you an inheritance. That's what Abraham heard. So Abraham was like, I'm going. I'm going to get this inheritance. And then when he gets there, he lives as a foreigner. Go to the land I will give to you. And then he gets there, and he's like, I'm an outsider. I'm a foreigner. It kind of seems like Abraham's getting the raw deal here. We hear about an inheritance. We think about wealth. We think about security. We think about legacy. Uh, not much of that comes to mind when you're living in the land as a foreigner, when it's a new place to you, when you're an outsider, you're an outcast. Uh, I've never been, really been a foreigner for more than like seven to ten days, right? Going on a missions trip or maybe a vacation somewhere where I don't necessarily speak the language. Uh, when you're in a place and you can't speak the language uh, and you don't know any people, you know what your heart wants. When you go to a place and you're like, I don't know anybody, I can't do anything, I have, I have to go through somebody else to get all this stuff. You know what my heart wants when I'm in a place like that? I kind of just want home. Like, 
like uh, we had a, a great uh, anniversary trip a few years ago into Mexico. We got home. What's the first thing I said when I laid in my bed? Man, it just feels good to be home, right? To be with my people, right? To speak the same language, right? It's, it's hard to be a foreigner, to be an outsider in a new place. I couldn't imagine moving to a new place with new customs, a new tongue, social orders, be away from my family, be away from my security. And Abraham did that all because God said, go. So Abraham uh, went. And here's, here's what that story looks like in Genesis. This is when we get the first account of it in Genesis 12. Uh, the Lord had said to Abram, that's Abraham if you didn't know, all right, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, famous to a foreigner, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. That's what Abraham hears, or Abram hears in this part. I will make you into a great nation. I will make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's, that's what Abraham hears. And so here's, here's his response. Like This is actually what we see recorded in verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot, that's his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Haran, that's the name of the place where he was at. Uh, thinking about the promise uh, that God, he just got from God, I'm sure Abraham uh, was motivated and excited to go to where God was like calling him. But I, would, I don't know if you thought about this, but I'd imagine when he gets there and he's being treated like a foreigner, he's an outsider, he doesn't know what's gonna happen, he thought it was gonna be on a slightly different timeline than what was gonna happen, right? That he will be a blessing to other people. God's gonna bless those who bless him. He's gonna curse those who treat him with contempt. Uh, he's gonna have a nation come out of him. And uh, it's probably not exactly the timeline that he thought. So Abraham started fresh in a new area at a young age of 75 years old. I don't know if you catch that there. 75, that's when... Abraham gets to the land that God says to him. And let's, let's keep going. Check out verse 7 here. Look what it has to say. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord whom had appeared to him. Let's look at verse 10. At that time, wait, all right, sorry, I got ahead of myself, I got ahead of myself. Uh, if you keep reading there, uh, all right, in between these two verses here, it talks about how uh, God would give Abraham uh, this land and what he's looking at, but this land that he says, I'm going to give this to you, there's actually people that are already living there. There's the Canaanites, they're living there, so it's called the land of Canaan. Um, so he says, hey, I'm going to give you this land. Small problem, right now somebody's already living there. It's already somebody else's. It already has ownership. So what Abraham does is he goes and he sets up camp in the hillside, like just outside of the country. So he gets to the land, it's already owned by somebody else, and he just kind of sets up camp on the outside. He's like a portable church, just, just building it up every week, and when he wants to move, the weather gets bad, he goes somewhere else. He's living in the hillside there, and here's what happens after he's done that for a while. Verse 10, at that time a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. He was home. God told him to go. He goes. He's a foreigner in the land that God is saying, this land is yours. 
I'm going to be a foreigner. There's a, a famine. He goes, I'm going to leave this place that God says is going to be mine. I'm already a foreigner here. I'm going to go over here. And when I get over here, guess what? I'm going to live in a foreigner and an even different country than the one that I was already at. And it's, it's wild. Can you imagine doing that at 75, moving over here? There's somebody already there. I got to move because I got I to gotta put food on the table. I got to provide for my family. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to live as a foreigner over here. This is not my people. These are not my place. And I, I'm sure Abraham just sitting there thinking, God, I'm ready for that promise to kick into action, right? Like you said you were going to do this. I went. I keep living. I keep moving. I keep getting all these things in the way. What's going to go on here? Uh, and so I don't know about you. My faith would just feel a little shaky at this point. Like, God, I've done what you've asked me to do. I've had to move my family twice. I got nothing to show for it. What's going on? But remember, the power isn't in our faith. The power is in the object of our faith. So it doesn't matter if Abraham's faith is shaky, if he's feeling a little weak. If his faith is in Jesus, if his faith is in God, he is in the right place. I want to put a little, a little greediness onto the story, a little bit of real life onto the story, because I want you to know that Abraham was a real human just like us. He was not perfect. And when he arrives at Egypt, uh, uh, they're just outside getting ready to come in. Abraham actually tells his wife, hey, you're beautiful, baby. Like, you got it going on. And I don't want somebody to kill me because my wife is so beautiful. All right, this is the Logan Key translation. All right, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, but so when they're outside, he says, hey, when we get in there, don't, don't tell people that we're married. Tell people that you're my sister so that they don't kill me to get to you because you're fine. Like that's, that's what he's saying here. Um, and here's what's crazy is he is right. They get into Egypt, and people see her beauty, and she actually gets summoned by Pharaoh to be Pharaoh's wife awkward, right? Like, that's his wife. Uh, and so Pharaoh, it says that Pharaoh sends Abraham sheep, goats, cattle, donkeys, camels, because Abraham is sending his sister to the Pharaoh. Yeah, a little awkward there. And then God sends a plague into Pharaoh's house. The truth comes out, and Pharaoh kicks Abraham out of Egypt. To recap, Go to the land I'll send you. He leaves home. He goes over here to Canaan. There's already people in Canaan, so just go outside of Canaan. There's a famine. He goes from there to Egypt. He goes to Egypt. This is my sister. All right, she's not your sister. They get kicked out. Going to go back. Um, it has been nothing but turmoil and just turnover. Where do you want me to be, God? I, was, I thought I was clinging to your promise. I will give you an inheritance. I will give you this place to live. There's going to be nations coming out of you. And all I've done is live as a foreigner here, here, and back over here. Well, you know, Abraham was not a perfect man just like us. After he gets kicked out of there, it says they go back to just outside of Canaan. And actually, it, uh, this is probably the most relatable thing just right after um, Thanksgiving too. It says that him and his nephew get into a little bit of a, of a quarrel about their cattle not having enough room to graze. And so they have to divide who's going to go to what side and where their, where their cattle is going to be. Um, it's just kind of crazy. He has these things that keep turning over and over and over. All because he's trying to pursue what God has given him. And so I want you to know, don't be, you're going to see some crazy things that happen at the end of his story, but it's not because Abraham had it all together. It's because his faith was placed 
in God. And it's our faith that ties us together with him. We share the same faith. The object of our faith is the same. Uh, sometime after uh, he gets kicked out of Egypt, sometime after he has this quarrel, there's some other things that happen, but it says this in Genesis 15. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, I want you to imagine this. This is like, like living outside of a tent. Like, right, you're going camping in the backyard. Uh, the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Uh, that's how many descendants you will have. Uh, we don't know the exact timeline of how much time has passed from when he started at 75, but uh, he's around the age of about 90 at this point. No children. Uh, and God is telling him, uh, the number of stars that you see, which is more than you can count, that's the number of descendants you will have. He's like, I'm, I'm coming up on 90. My wife's about that same age too. And uh, I love this. I think sometimes we can be a little too practical. And that sounds almost bad, all right? Be practical, that's a good thing. Uh, but when God tells Abraham, hey, however many stars you see, that's the number of descendants that you'll have. Abraham doesn't say how. He doesn't say how. He's not focused on the how. He's focused on who told me this promise. Is this someone I can trust? Is this someone I can cling to? And here's what he says in verse six. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was counted as righteous, not because of what he did, but because of his faith. What was his faith? He believed God. And if we were to pull on that thread a little bit, we were to keep going. God makes good on that blessing to Abraham. Uh, his wife and him, they muddy the waters a little bit by trying to take matters into their own hands. But I have to wonder if, if that promise comes to pass or, or it's even offered to Abraham if he didn't take that first step back in chapter 12 of Genesis. When God told him, go to the land I will send you, what if he said, I'm good. I'm comfortable. I've got my family here. I've got, uh, I'm going to take over the family business. I've got, I've got it set. I don't need to shake the boat at all. But it says, go to the land I will show you, and Abraham departed. Having uh, descendants that are countless like the stars, uh, that's swinging for the fences. That's having a big faith. But I don't think he gets there if he doesn't take the first step of faith, which is to go. You don't know what you might miss out on if you don't take that first step. It's not about getting it right. That's not how faith works. Faith is not about getting it right. It's about our faith being in Jesus and moving towards him. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. That's okay. Uh, most of you guys are, are probably familiar with this, but uh, a little over two years ago, Kelsey and I had a similar experience, all right? We're, we're from here. We're still here, so we're, we didn't go to live as foreigners in a new land. Uh, but we didn't know, um, we just felt like God was telling us to go. Um, didn't know what that looked like, didn't know what we were doing. Um, and so we didn't know what we were going to do, but we got ready to go. I mean, we got the house, like, cleaned up, put some plants in the backyard, made it look nice. Like, we just figured, uh, it's that time. I was working in a church, I, I resigned, because Kelsey and I were just confident that 
this season had come to an end because God was going to send us somewhere else. Uh, I'd looked at uh, church positions all over, Houston, St. Louis, Florida, California. We just wanted to throw a wide net. God, I want to go wherever you want to go. I want to go wherever you want me to go. I don't want this to be me. I want this to be you. I mean, we turned over every single stone uh, that was in front of us. And um, about six months into that, it was like, God, um, what are we doing? Like, I took this big leap of faith. I was trusting you. Why are, why are we kind of floundering right now? Why are, why are we in limbo? I mean, we waited long enough that, like, I had to start doing my job I did when I was in college, right, just to keep, the, keep things going, cleaning windows. God, we were following you. Why are we here? Well, God used a moment from that, cleaning windows on the house, to get my attention about what he had been preparing me and what he had been preparing Kelsey for. And I'm listening to this podcast as I'm cleaning windows, and this guy says, there's nowhere else I'd rather be, and there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. And uh, I knew in that moment that God wanted us to start a church. Like, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than here. Oklahoma City, Yukon, Mustang. Best place on earth, all right? Like, no, nobody really says that, but uh, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than here. And there's nothing else I'd rather be doing than pastoring. Like, I just feel like that is my calling. That's what God made me to do. Uh, fast forward, it's November 2022. Uh, I'm standing here telling you about how God has moved. Like, we would not be here right now um, if we hadn't taken that step to leave a place of comfort, to leave a place of security. We would not be here right now. And it almost sounds glamorous to put, like, months and months, even years into a few sentences. But can I just be real? In those times, in those seasons, there was some pain. There was some refining going on in that season of limbo. What are we doing? God, what are you doing? And then even once we know what we're going to do, God, we're starting a church. What, is, what does that even look like? It wasn't a clean, it wasn't an easy process, but God has been there every step of the way. But what if, when God made it clear it was time for us to go, to leave a place of security, to leave a place of comfort, what if when that moment came, I was like, God, why would I leave this? I'm set. I got a cush job. I got no worries. I got way less on my shoulders. I'm comfortable. If we said no to that first step, we wouldn't be in this room right now. If Abraham would have said no to going to the land that God would send him, he wouldn't be in Hebrews 11, a part of the hall of faith. He wouldn't have gotten the promise fulfilled of his descendants being as numerous as the stars. What if we missed out on that one simple step of obedience, that one step of faith? That might sound a little bit crazy, it might sound a little bit outlandish, but maybe for where you're at, it's simple. Maybe you're not ready to go swinging for the fences. Maybe you just need to take one step outside of your comfort zone a bit. I don't know where that'll lead you. I don't. But I promise you, you won't get there if you don't take the first step.
And after you take that one, you take the next one. And it's not because you have it all together. It's because God has it all together. He is the one who's going to work it out. He is. What's your next step of faith? What does it look like for you to take one step closer to Jesus, to be obedient to what he's calling you to do? Uh, for some of you, it could be as simple as, we got baptism Sunday two weeks from now. I've been putting this off. I need to get baptized. I need to take that step of obedience. It could be, hey, you know what? I'm gonna start a Bible study at work. I don't know what that looks like. It's gonna be messy, but I'm gonna go for it. Uh, some of you guys, it might be as simple as making some bomb.com cookies. I've had some of the cookies you ladies make. They're awesome. Making a big thing of cookies, giving them to all your neighbors with the thing that says Merry Christmas and an invite card to church. That might be a great next step. Maybe it's to start a regular habit of praying daily or get into the Bible and to read the Bible daily. The same God who did a work in Abraham is the same God at work within you and at work within me. It's not about us and our faith. It's about the object of our faith. He can do great things through you. But you have to take that next step. The one right in front of you, you can't skip it. The next step is the one right in front of you. God will do great things through you if you'll stay faithful. And just working on the step in front of you, and after you get that one, the step in front of you, the next one, the next one, the next one. I'm coaching an 8U basketball team. There's going to be, like I said, there's going to be a lot of 8U basketball stories because, like, kids are just walking sermon illustrations. And all, all these kids, they are so excited to shoot threes and step back jumpers. Um, but here's the truth. Like, our team shooting percentage on uncontested layups is like 20%. Okay, <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, we need to focus on making layups with nobody in front of us before we start working out to the big ones, the big shots. We may have dreams of doing big things for God. And I am with you, and I believe that God can do that through you. But if you won't start right where you're at, right here, right now, you won't get there. Right? It's got to be layups before three-pointers. Works the same way. Abraham had a lot of moments where his next step, in, in just, just being real, his next step uh, to move from Canaan, just outside of Canaan to Egypt, that next step was to survive. Like, there's no life here. I have to go somewhere where my family can live. That was his next step. There are times where your next step might look like that. Just, what do I have to do to keep my faith going, to keep my family going? In the midst of all the moving and the quarrels that Abraham experienced, God made a promise to him that he would have descendants that are just like the stars in the sky. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't linear. Had some ups and downs, but Abraham kept taking the next step, step right in front of him. And, and why would Abraham keep moving forward, even when it seemed like it was pointless, like God saying, hey, you're going to have countless descendants. He's like, I'm 90, bro. I'm old. How's this going to happen? Uh, here's how it says it in Hebrews 11, verse 10. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. 
He wasn't confident in himself. He wasn't confident in what he could do. He was confident in what his God could do. Not my abilities, but God's abilities. God is preparing a place for me that will be there forever. That's what Abraham was saying. And that makes it a lot easier to be a foreigner, to be an outsider here on this earth when you know that you have a home that's been prepared for you by God in heaven. He was confidently looking forward to that. What are you confidently looking forward to? To put it another way, what's your faith in? What is your faith in? Because when Jesus is the object of your faith, it doesn't matter how small your faith is, in him he will be enough. With that mustard seed, it says nothing is impossible. Is your faith in Jesus? Are we counting on other things to provide? If your faith is in Jesus, what's that next step? What does that look like for you? Because your faith is either moving up or it's sliding down. Let's pray.